So I am in mourning. Uh, some of you know that I took my son to college a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I am so proud of him, and yet at the same time feel that sense of loss. I was at All Nations Church, one of our church plants last night, and I had the same thing. I feel like I've sent three sons off to college, Sean, Ben, and Luke, and I'm excited and proud of what they're doing, and yet there's this sense of mourning and loss. I miss them. It did my heart good. My, my son called me and said, Dad, I really miss your stories. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, can you tell me some stories about college? I'm like, yes, son, I can. Someone misses my stories. So I wanted to share with you a story from college. Got me thinking about my college stories. And, uh, and it's really focused on community. That's what we're talking about this morning. When I went to college, I wanted to get involved, and I ended up engaging in a number of different communities. So there was community on my dorm floor. We, we played intramural football together, so we're there. Um, I was on scholarship for the ROTC for two years, and so I engaged in that community there. I joined my, uh, a social fraternity, Sigma Chi, and that was a different kind of community that I experienced there. And then also I joined a Christian community called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And what I realized is that all of those different communities had a, a glue that held them together, that was kind of the, the center and a part of what made them that kind of particular community. And I realized, for example, my dorm floor, a lot of it, we ate together and we played football together. That was, that was the glue that was there. Um, for the military, really the center of that was a more serious people wanted to be career soldiers. So that was kind of the glue that kept them together a little bit more serious. My, my fraternity was not quite as serious. <laughs> right? Really, partying was, unfortunately, it, it's the glue that kept them together. And I remembered at, at one point, there was juniors that pledged with me. They were my pledge. I pledged when I was freshman. They were juniors and uh, went through pledge, and we became members. And it was the end of their year, and they're like, we just got to tell you guys, we did not pledge our first two years of college, and we feel like we wasted those two years this community is so awesome. And that reiterated one thing, how powerful community is, how, how we are wired for community. And, and generally speaking, if I find someone that, that is really thriving in life, that is doing well, that is engaging in life, it's because almost always they are deeply engaged in a community. Whatever community, whatever glue that might be, they're engaged in that community. And generally speaking, not true all the time, but when I, I am talking and interacting with someone who's really, really struggling, whether it's depression, um, whether it's insecurities, uh, uh, hopelessness, they are not deeply connected to community. 
When I, when I talk with uh, seniors, graduating seniors that are going to college, I try and always include get involved in a Christian community. I've seen it make or break people's college experiences. True of life, get involved in a community where, where you're fed and ministered to. So I, I thought about that. I realized how important that was when those two fraternity brothers shared that. I, I realized a second thing is that as they pressed into the community, I engaged in my fraternity, but I kept a little bit of distance. And it wasn't just about the partying. It, it was. There was some partying, and I was growing in my faith and discovering Jesus Christ and, and so forth. Now, I stayed engaged, but there's a distance there. But there's another reason why I kept my distance, it's because I was experiencing community in a deep and abiding way in my Christian community. And the glue that was there was the Lord. And I was being so profoundly moved and I was having these connections with other Christians that were growing in the Lord, really transformation had become that glue. And it was such a beautiful thing in college. And I was tasting that and I longed for more. That my, the community in my fraternity paled in comparison to what I was experiencing over here. Does that make sense? This is our second week of a seven-year vision cast that we're talking about for SEC, what, how we believe the Lord is stirring and directing and shaping. Last week, I talked about and contrasted the difference between what we called a Christian paganism, a life where we're on the gerbil's wheel, where we're just running, 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 we can't get off of it, um, we have all the same worries and frets. We can't sleep like everybody else. But we're Christian, right? As opposed to the deeper and abundant life that Christ died for us to have. And I believe I struck a chord with people in part because my wife chastised me based on my own sermon. Right? She said, Pastor Eric said, no, she didn't actually say that, but she was feeling this unction, which I agree with. She was saying, we can do it better. Know that you've been talking about this, but there's a call there. She could taste that call and wants to do it better. And I said, yes, I want to do it. Now, remember, it's a seven-year vision. We can lean into that and go, right? That's the calling to really do life as Christ has designed us to live it. This morning, I want to talk about not so much in the personal realm of your personal life, of kingdom life, but I want to talk about it in the realm of community. The kind of community that he calls us into. Do you know when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, he didn't just call you to a new life, a new way of living, of knowing the kingdom, of being the kingdom, of, of sharing the kingdom and, and doing the kingdom works, but he also called you into a unique and wholly different community. 
It's called the mystical body of Christ. And he's saying that salvation, the Christian faith, isn't just about you, isn't just about your family, isn't just about your marriage and your kids, but the Christian faith is this invitation to a different kind, you could call it a kingdom community, an abundant community, a different kind of relationships that he invites you into. And friends, I believe that this deep and abiding community of faith, that many of us have tasted it at different times. But if I'm honest, I don't believe that our church is there. I don't see it in many churches, this kind of community that I'm longing and desiring for that God is inviting us into. Now, don't chastise me after this message. I, I'm saying we're not there yet. But I, I want to give you a little bit of this taste of this uncommon kingdom community that, that Christ is calling us to in the word of God. It's, it's right there. Would you turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and it's at the very end of chapter 2. And as we read about the early church and the community it's experience, experiencing, would you imagine yourself right in the midst of this community? Would you imagine what would it be like to have relationships in this community? What would it be like to have an experience of this community where in Acts chapter 2, um, starting at verse 42. Ready? Says verse 42, you there? They devoted themselves, this is the early church, the community of faith, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. A beautiful picture of that community, a, a, a richness, a, a depth to that community where, where people were there. Can I interrupt the sermon for just a moment? Can we do that? Can we have a, a, a mini Bible study with about 250 people? Can we do that? If we have kingdom life, the no-be-do, I believe that they are living kingdom life in the no-be-do. They're knowing the kingdom in this little passage. They're, they're being the kingdom and they're doing the kingdom. 
In our Bible study time, would you look at the scriptures and answer some questions? Can we do this? Don't look at me. Look at the scripture. Ready? How are they knowing the kingdom? How are they knowing the kingdom? How are they doing that as individuals and collectively? What's that? They're breaking bread together, okay? A form of communion, all right? I would put that in the doing, doing the kingdom of God. Um, Good. How about knowing? How are they knowing the kingdom? What's that? They were studying the apostles' teaching. What were the apostles talking about? Probably what Jesus was talking about. What did Jesus talk about? That he was teaching them the kingdom of God. So probably they were like, oh, this is the testimony of the church. This is how we know the kingdom. How about being the kingdom? Really, really living the kingdom. What do you see in the passages, young adults? Any answers? This one's a little bit more challenging. How were they being the kingdom of God? They were selling all their possessions. There was this incredible spirit of generosity that was flowing in them and through them. Not, they weren't materialistic. They weren't greed. They were living the kingdom of God, the principle of generosity, and it was flowing and it was blessing the people. Yes, any other ways they were being the kingdom. Generosity, what else? Do you get a beautiful picture of unity there? They were together in everything, in the temple courts, in their homes. They were breaking bread. They were eating together. They were sharing in communion. They were doing all of these things together. How about doing any other doing of the kingdom works? There was salvation. They were sharing the faith that was right there and God was blessing them and adding to their numbers. You see this collective was happening. They were knowing the kingdom, they were being the kingdom and they were doing the kingdom. Do you see that? Can I go back to preaching now? That was a little, okay. They were, they were doing these kingdom works together and God, there was this richness and this beauty together as they were experiencing the kingdom. Could you imagine that kind of community today? I, to me, I think there's... Oh, we skipped over, Western Christians, we always skip over this part. What else were, what was happening? How else were they doing the kingdom? Signs and wonders, yes! Signs and wonders, there were signs and wonders that were taking place. There was healing ministry that was taking place. We always miss that, don't we? Can you imagine this kind of community today. It seems a little bit daunting, doesn't it? Now, now we won't look exactly like this community of faith, right? But can you imagine the elements of generosity deeply flowing in this community?
Can you imagine the elements of signs and wonders and the work of God in this community? What would that look like between you and I? Can you imagine this sense of unity, whether we're in our homes with one another or meeting in the temple courts? Of course, there are no temple courts now, but in the church where we're, we're learning and growing and we're sharing and we're starting and this community aspect is so beautiful that people are just drawing, coming because they're longing for this kind of community. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be incredible? Is it impossible for us? Could we not get there? I I do want to suggest, I I feel far from that. I feel far, I, I feel like I've tasted it at the different churches, at the different times, I've tasted it. But I long for this kind of kingdom community. I want to suggest that it's possible. This community is possible for us in this day and age, primarily because there is one difference maker that took place in the early church that can take place in our church today. There was a difference maker between the Acts 1 church or community of believers, and this Acts 2 church and community of believers. Do you know what that difference maker is? It's actually not in these verses that we read, but it's in the story. Does anyone know what the difference is? What's that? Holy Spirit. You see, they went from Acts 1 Christian community, they experienced Pentecost, and they moved into, and the Holy Spirit transformed not just them as individuals, not just the quality of their individual lives, but transformed their relationship, how they relate to one another, how they care for one another, how they love for for one another, how they forgive one another. All these things were transformed. Their unity, their, their generosity, all those things were transformed. The power of the living God was in their midst. And the whole world took notice. And it changed the world forever. Now, I have have this line of tension that I'm just going to name for you. I believe each of these three pieces of our seven-year vision has this profound depth to it that we get to live in for years to come, and yet I keep continuing to challenge myself with communicating it in simple ways, memorable ways, and I don't wanna, I don't want you to miss the profound depth, but at the same time, I want you to hold on to the simplicity, right? So kingdom life, I think there's a profound death, uh, uh, depth to it, and we need to live no be do the kingdom and there's this profound depth that that it's going to take the rest of our lives to live into and yet i tried to communicate it in a simple way 
of know the kingdom, of be the kingdom, and do the kingdom. Right? Can you say that with me? Know, be, do. One more time. Know, be, do. Same is true for community. There's this profound depth, and I'm going to unpack the depth, but first I want to give a, a simple, memorable of what it means to be a community that's filled with the Spirit of God, a community of the Spirit. I'm going to just give you two words. Presence and power. Say it with me, presence and power. The presence of God is the spirit within. The spirit within. The presence of God is the spirit within. We are called to be a community of faith that is experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit as we gather together. The power of the spirit is the spirit upon, that we are also, there's a difference now, there's a difference when a community has not only the spirit within, the presence of God, but the spirit upon, where there is power that is taking place. Say those two words with me. Spirit within, or uh, the presence and power. Say that again. Presence and power. All right, now don't go and walk away and say, he lost me. I didn't know that, right? We're all, you were with me? Simplicity, right? Spirit within, spirit upon. Presence of the spirit and power. All right, now I'm gonna try and lose you. No, just kidding. I'm just gonna try and bring depth to this. And to be able to see how he wants to work in, yes, your individual life, but also community, all right? What is spirit within when we talk about that? What would a community look like with the spirit within? Um, each of us, I, I talked about it, maybe that's why I was so stirred during worship, but each of us has a little spirit within us. Did you know that? A little spirit man, yep. a little spirit woman. And when we are born and we are out of fellowship with God, we do not know God, that that spirit within us, there's, there's a deadness there. There's a no life there. We're not connected with God in the deepest part of who we are. And one of the first things, the first thing that the Spirit of God does when we became, become a Christian, when we invite Christ into our lives, there's a spiritual dynamic that the Spirit goes within us and gives us new life. New life. That's the first dynamic is new life. And so he enters into deep within us, within, and our little spirit man and our little spirit woman is brought to life in a way that is not living prior to coming to Christ. Some of you have not done that. Some of you don't know fellowship in the deepest way with the Lord. It happens when we confess Christ. See, this is why Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he said it like this, flesh 
gives birth to flesh. Go to that next slide, yeah? Flesh gives birth to flesh. He's talking about physical birth. Your mom gave you birth, right? Her flesh, from her flesh, born flesh. To enter the kingdom of God, to be born again, to be saved, requires another birth. The Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, gives birth to little s. Who's the little s? Look at your neighbor and say, you're the little s. That's the essence of new life. That's the essence of the Christian faith. The Lord enters into our hearts, our souls, our spirits, and gives us new life, and we begin to understand how we know the kingdom, and we, be the, we are the kingdom, and we're doing the kingdom works. Now, right away, some of you might know this as well, some of you might not, that right away when we're given new life in our spirits, we get another voice in our heads. Some of you are like, oh, I do not need another voice in my head jiggling around there. But it's true. But here's the good news. It's a good voice. You know whose voice it is? God. Yes, Jesus Christ, the voice of the Spirit. He becomes our counselor. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 16, but the advocate, go to the next slide, next slide, counselor, but the advocate, or that word is also counselor, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you a few things. What will he teach you? How is he going to teach you? Voice. His counsel, he's going to begin to speak to you and remind you of everything I have said to you. In the early church, Acts 2, 42 through 49, they were saying around the apostles' teaching, what was happening in their community is the Spirit of God was filling the apostles and they were reminding them, Jesus said this. This was a parable that Jesus taught. The Sermon on the Mount is here. He was reminding them and stirring and the Spirit of God was taking that and he was speaking deep into their souls and together they were experiencing the voice of God through the Holy Spirit. Now there are a number of voices in our heads I would say one voice is our conscience that repeats. What are the things that you repeat to yourself? That can be good or bad. Do you know that? I, I call the voice of the past, many of us from our parents or friends, what they said to us and again and again and again. That can be good or bad. Oh, you are loved by Jesus. Or you will never amount to anything. You're just like your father. Good or bad, right? There's also, I believe, a spiritual voice of the enemy. And he does not want us to live kingdom life. And he's speaking to us. And they are lies. And he's twisting. And he wants to bring bitterness and anger and resentment 
It's always bad. The voice is always bad. But now when our spirits are are given life, the Spirit of God begins to take, take these truths and he begins to implant them in our hearts and souls and speak to us about our relationships, about who we are, about our decisions. And he begins to say that, that's not a good decision. That, that I have so much more for you. That, that's not of my grace and my mercy and my forgiveness. Don't choose that. Don't go down that road. You know that's wrong. No, 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 no. That seems like it's true, but that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's the enemy's voice. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? Reject it. Don't hold on to that bitterness and that anger. He begins to speak. And the kingdom life, really, and the kingdom community is we begin to discern together the voice of the Spirit. I've been in somewhat of a trial of loss related to my son and good friends. And I felt like the Lord was saying, Eric, do you really, really trust me? Do you really trust me? I was saying, yes. I'm not so sure. And then a dear saint came alongside me who prays for me and she says, yeah, that decision right there, you got to work on that. I said, thanks a lot. (laughs) No, she was right. You see, the, the, the community of faith, we get, it's not just about the voice for ourselves personally, but it's his counsel for us collectively. And friends, we live this Christian life so individually that we don't give room and space for the community to speak in. We quiet their discernment. It's a miss. It's a miss. Now, another beautiful part of the spirit within, it's new life, it's the counsel, and there's also, as he speaks to us, there's this beautiful intimacy that takes place, an intimate communion. Go to that next slide, this intimate communion. The apostle Paul talked about it like this, and by him we cry, Abba, Daddy, Such an intimate term. Abba Father. Daddy Father. The Spirit, capital S, Himself, testifies with our spirit, little s, that we are no longer God's enemies. That we are no longer in our rebellion and sin and distant. We are no longer away from him, but we are what? What? God's children. We're born of God. That we are 
his daughters and his sons and he begins to speak in this intimate way. You see, the early church had this glue of the presence of the divine one and not only were we growing in intimacy with him personally, but in this community. I still, speaking of college, I still remember one of the early experiences of, of this divine communion with one another. One of my uh, best friends in college, he was this big guy named Andy, and he was in the Christian uh, community with me, and we were on this retreat, and we were learning about worship, what is true worship, and how do, how do we lift our souls to God, all those good things. And then um, it, we did something novel. We didn't just learn at a retreat. We actually practiced what we were learning. So we actually worshiped together, right? And so Andy and I, we were in college. We were guys, Right? And all of a sudden, we're sitting, standing next to each other, and we're experiencing, it was just one individual with a guitar. We were lifting our souls. I think I lifted my hand, and Andy did too, and then we put our hands on one another. And I'm like, yeah. He is my friend, but the, the glue is the presence of God. We're, we're learning together. You see, I tasted that, that community. It was rich and there was this unity and it was good. One more thing about spirit within the presence and it is what, what the Bible calls a sanctification process. You go to the next sl slide. Really what sanctifi sanctification is about in its essence is character character, but the fruit of the Spirit. What's the fruit he wants to bear in you? Not only individually, but as a community. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did you know that the Spirit of God deeply cares about who you are? Did you know that the Spirit of God deeply cares about how you relate to one another? Whether it's your children, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a good friend, whether it's an enemy, a coworker that is annoying, that gets on your nerves every day, it does not matter. The Spirit of God is mindful of and cares about your relationships and how you treat one another. And in fact, I would say it's very, very difficult to experience true transformation of character outside of community, right? It's much more difficult to experience transformation when you're just by yourself. And the problem is, is he begins to work on our character and challenge and bring difficulty and trial to transform our character. And you know what we do? I'm out. We step away from community. Right when he wanted to start working in our hearts and souls. What would it be like to be in a community that we didn't step away from? That we really allowed the presence of the Spirit to transform us. This past week, I was filled with anger. I'm gonna tell you that right out. 
I was filled with anger. It was because I was in this, it was a relationship and it was with another person. And we were arguing. And I felt justified in my anger. And I could feel my anger right up here. I know none of you can relate to that, but there is times when I felt that anger right up here. It was bubbling and it was stirring and I was in interaction and I was upset. And the Spirit said, Eric, do not sin in your anger. And I said, I need a little bit of space. I'm about to sin in my anger. You see that character work that's happening. If I hadn't been in that relationship with that individual, and I'll never give up on this individual, then the character work would not happen. I know none of you ever deal with anger, but I'm just supposing if that were to happen. All right, in a couple of minutes um, remaining, I'm just going to skip to um, the other aspect of the simple, the two words. We, we're remembering a, a community of the spirit has two dynamic qualities to it. Um, spirit within and spirit upon. And remember, what are the two words we're looking at? Presence and power. Do you see power in that early church? Yes, we've seen power. Do we have power in this community? We need more. We need more. I don't think we've figured it out yet. Friends, I want to suggest that many churches are experiencing the presence of God but not the power of God. Again, this was the key difference maker between Acts 1 church and Acts 2 church. It was Pentecost and Pentecost was about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was about power. And so part of what God wants to do in our lives, yes, individually, but also as a community of faith is grant new power. Jesus told us this in Luke 24 and 49. He said, go to that next screen. He said, I am going to send you. He's talking about Pentecost. He's talking about the beginning of Acts 2. I am going to send to you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with from on high. New power, not simply to live our Christian lives, to love well and to serve well, Right, but a, a power in every aspect of our lives, a power to when we're we're growing weary that He would work in His His power to give us endurance and perseverance. A power that when someone is just before us and seems so unlovable and we, we can't do it, and He says, "No, no, no! I will give you the strength to love that person well." a power that would rest on us. Oftentimes, gifts are associated with power. Did we see any gifts in Acts 2 happening? Were there any gifts? What were the gifts? Teaching, healing, 
service, all those gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. A word about gifts and talents. So much I'd like to share, but we have seven years. Do you know, I believe that there's a lot of churches that have a lot of people that are serving out of their natural gifts or their talents. I don't think that's enough. I I think he wants us to serve from a place of an anointing that's there. Yes, natural gifts are good. I encourage you, engage, use your natural gifts. Absolutely, use those gifts but there's an anointing that is meant to take place. I know I highlight she's just visible, but like Beth, sometimes, sorry to embarrass you, Beth, but I'm complimenting you, so. Sometimes she just sounds good. Sometimes she's anointed. You understand? It's not just in worship, children's ministry. You know, I pray for an anointing of our leaders in children's ministry. That they, they, they wouldn't just serve our children well. There'd be anointing. The, the nursery workers was prayed this morning. That they just wouldn't serve well out of their natural love of little ones. But there would be an anointing. That, that we wouldn't just serve this community with the resources that God has given us. Very valuable, very important. We need to do that more. But that we would have an anointing to love our neighbors well, to to love the people in desperation, to love this world well, that there would be this anointing. That's what I believe God wants to bring in this new kingdom community. And finally, how that relates is witness. That's the heart of God's power that we would share, that we would share this kingdom life. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, this idea of the works of the Spirit anointing us in this way. It's a different community. I long for it. I think we have our work cut out for us, and yet the the Father is delighted to give you and I the kingdom. He's going to teach us He's going to shape us. He's going to mold us. He's going to help us to understand what's taking place. Now, in your bulletin, you have this sheet. We didn't want to collect it uh, this morning. Hope you didn't put it in the offering plate. If you did, that's okay. Would you bring this home? And I know you haven't heard the third message of the vision yet, but I'm going to be inviting you to either engage, connect, or lead. If you are not engaged at a deeper level in this community, I want to challenge you and invite you 
And the easiest way to do it is not just regular attendance on a Sunday morning, though that's always good, but I want to encourage you to enter and engage in a community, our kingdom life groups that we're going to launch, that we're talking about with Immerse. If it's Sunday morning, fantastic. If it's midweek, great. But would you pray about, before you say no or yes, unless it's a yes, go with the yes, but before you say no, would you say, I'm going to pray about it. See what the Lord would do at whatever level. Do you engage deeply in this? High school students, middle school students, we're going to have a Sunday morning engage opportunity to do that. So you're, you're praying over that. Would you prayerfully consider engaging in a deeper level? If you're already engaged, if, you're, if you feel that sense that you're in a life group already, I'm going to ask you to contribute. How can you give further? to the work of the Spirit that's happening here? How can you cont- contribute um, time, talent, treasures, not just financially? I, I am going to ask you to prayerfully consider, would you be able to contribute more to this ministry as we're church planting? The finances are very tight, right? Would you be willing to contribute more? But also, if you're not serving whether it's something as simple as the welcome desk or greeter or coffee, right? Children's ministry or youth ministry. Would you consider marking that and saying, yes, I will become a contributor. I will find in the next couple of months how I will serve this community. And then finally, leadership. I'll talk more about leadership here. Let me give you just one picture here. I believe that also the seven-year vision, we're going to transform the sanctuary and what it looks like, and it's going to reflect the presence and the power of the living God, that the presence really is going to be reflected in communion, that we get to commune deeply and grow in intimacy. And the power is going to be reflected in the baptism of the Spirit and we're going to start to see it. All right? I was hoping to whet your appetite, but we'll talk maybe more about that next week. Can we pray? Father, I long, I long for deep and abiding community. Lord, would you pierce our hearts? Would you stir in us a desire not just to attend a good and faithful church, but to be the church, to be the church to one another? that we would be a community centered on your presence and your power. In your name we pray. Amen.